politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard anew our lives, liberty, and property in its most literal sense. Here at CR Podcast, this is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today, October 10th. Actually, that is the birthday of the U.S. Navy in 1845, a once proud institution that has now been rotted out like every institution in our military, our government, our society, you name it. We got to reconstitute a society on our own, and part of that is protecting ourselves. So we're talking about this week, obviously the big news based on what's going on with Hamas and Israel, how to defend ourselves, similar threats. Fox News' Bill Malugin, probably one of the best reporters out there, just put out the numbers for special interest aliens, SIAs, over the last two years. These are just the people we caught. 30,830 Turks, 13,600, 204 Uzbeks, um, 15,500 from Maritoana, 3,153 from Egypt, 164 from Lebanon, 6,386 from Afghanistan, and then he goes, you know, several hundred each from Iraq, Iran, Yemen, Syria. And as you well know, most of those people pay the cartels a lot more. See, if the cartels know you're from Syria, they're going to charge you a lot more to cross you over surreptitiously. So most of those are going to be gotaways. So if we caught that many, you can imagine how many more. But again, as I noted yesterday, you don't even have to come onto the border. Through our front door, we let in exponentially more people. So the problem's here. Oh, and then that problem is built on top of BLM, Antifa, just a run-of-the-mill street crime. Uh, and, and what I hate to say is just a anti-white race, racial insurrection that Obama first fomented, and it's just really crystallized with the George Floyd stuff. So we have a lot of security problems. So again, you know, I've always said, I don't think that the weapons we have could protect us against our government. It doesn't. But at least against all these threats, we do need to be concerned about it. And and we do need to realize, as much as we've talked about our government being the ultimate threat, the Western oligarchs being the, uh, the ultimate threat, there are, are multiple truths. There are m- multiple threats in the world. And, and it's not either or. And sometimes just because you're very focused on one doesn't mean something else doesn't exist too. And you got to just got to take each thing prudently and follow the truth where it is. And that's what we're going to talk about today, balancing out our foreign policy, what we should, shouldn't do, and our morality, um, and then hopefully get back to some other things when we can. But first, our sponsor, very appropriately, is iTarget Pro. Um, watching what went on there in those communities in Israel, Again, all these aforementioned threats I mentioned, what would happen if this happened in one of our neighborhoods? I mean, it kind of did during the BLM riots. Uh, You can't miss. You can't afford to miss. You have multiple attackers. Um, It's not enough just to, you know, a lot of people go to the range and they just like hearing the sound of the discharge and, you know, pull the trigger. You got to really train properly. And we have our trip out in Texas with Patriot Academy that we uh, we learn how to properly use it. But then you got to practice. Well, you don't always have the time or the money to go to the range and use live ammo. iTarget 
itargetpro.com, itargetpro, I'm sorry, itargetpro.com is really the dry fire training that I recommend. So much, so many in law enforcement use it. It's a dummy laser bullet. You load in your gun um, and then you download their app. They, they give you a board or cubes and you could station throughout your house and practice all the different drills you'd want to practice at a, at a range or sometimes even more because you can move and shoot. Just make sure you do it in a safe way with no one around and don't have real ammo around. Go to itargetpro.com, get 10% off at checkout when you put in offer code CR. Now more than ever, you need to be trained, armed but trained as well at itargetpro.com, offer code CR. Uh, so first, just before we get into the main topics today, there's not much new on the speaker's fight. I, I still have questions whether it was prudently the right move to do to remove McCarthy at that time. I felt we could have gotten more leverage against him to fight on the budget because now it's kind of deadlocked. Um, it's deadlocked between Scalise and, and Jordan, and now McCarthy is trying to wiggle his way back in, which I thought he would. So we'll see what happens on that front but it's, it's a shame because now more than ever, we need leadership to focus on funding fights. Defund evil. Defund evil. Um, when it comes to foreign policy, foreign policy is similar to domestic policy in the, in the respect. It's, it's very different in many respects because it's not governed as much by doctrine as much as prudence and perspicacity of the moment of what are the facts on the ground what is in our interest what's the threat assessment what could we do what shouldn't we do but it is similar in the respect of what our government's been doing what does the government do domestically it distorts the market with subsidies you know monopolization then creates all these problems cost of living goes up monopolies and then it creates subsidy and entitlement and welfare programs to deal with the poverty it creates. So essentially, that's what we've been doing in the Middle East and, and really around the world for many, many decades, where we fund one opposition, and then that becomes a problem. We have to fund something else against it. And we, we, we're, we've constantly been funding two sides of civil wars everywhere or other sorts of ethnic wars or nation state wars it actually came out to the forefront in Syria where the State Department and the CIA were literally on different sides of Syria. Some were funding some rebels. Some were essentially funding al-Nusra, which is the al-Qaeda affiliate there. And, and it's just one big cesspool. And sometimes the best thing is just to pull the plug. To pull the plug. So I want to first talk about where the policy needs to go you know, what to look out for. But then the morality of what is going on is two distinct things. And I'm a little bit concerned by what I'm seeing from some of my colleagues on the right that I've agreed with on a lot of things, the vaccines or whatever. But too many people, because of a lack of leadership on the right, are exclusively reactionary, populist or reactionary in the respect that they're so hateful of a certain dogma among the GOP establishment, which we all understand why and share that resentment, that then they just kind of go in a reactionary way 
that becomes counterintuitive and you just sound like a leftist or become like a leftist. So for example, I've talked about this a lot with domestic policy. For too long, Republicans have been, rather than true free market, they've been corporatists. So some of the populists come in and they take it to the point where they're downright against the true free market and they're just for basically handouts. And they and they start sounding like, they're like basically LBJ was right minus the wokeness. Let's adopt Democrats of last generation policies. I'm seeing that from people like uh, Sora Barami. You know, and, and look, they put out thoughtful pieces, but I just I just disagree. I see that a little bit from people like J.D. Vance and sometimes Josh Hawley. Um, I agree with a lot of what they say, but sometimes it ventures into that territory. So we're finding that with foreign policy, too, where people are, you know, so resentful of the neocons and getting us in, ensnared in some of these civil wars I've talked about with such failure that automatically if the neocons are happen to be saying certain you know taking a position for a certain reason they're going to reflexively go in the other direction just because just because or reflexively we're anti-war you know some of you saw marjorie taylor green go and rally with code pink we are not code pink Okay, you know, we might align on a given theater for different reasons, like Ukraine versus Russia is a territorial dispute that's full of grift. And frankly, Zelensky is increasingly just as bad as Putin. So we have no play to be made there. And there's also a lot of laundering going on there that's well beyond the scope of a foreign policy debate. There's grift going on. And they just don't like war to begin with or funding war. So, yeah, I mean, we might align in that respect, but we're not like them. I am not anti-war and I never was anti-war because anti-war is is it's like saying I'm anti-surgery or I'm anti-vax or pro-vax. Well, what type over I mean the details matter, right? I mean, generally you want to stay away from wars because no good comes from them or very little good comes from it. But you know, there are times you do have unmitigated evil that's not just evil in a vacuum but is a huge strategic threat and you got to fight it. Okay, now I don't see anything on the horizon right now that we as the United States military and government need to fight with kinetic force. And I will oppose anything like that. But nonetheless, that shouldn't spill over to our morality that somehow we're like we're going to join with the left wing media on every evil in the world to handcuff Israel and say, they can't defend themselves. And oh, the Palestinians and Gaza, you know, the same left-wing dogma, but I'm hearing some people on the right adopt that because they're so reflexively against war because the neocons that suddenly they're supporting immoral things and they don't have a sense of morality. And especially some of those that are like, I don't care about the rest of the world. We need to defend our own civilization. But ironically, they're espousing views that undermine someone defending their civilization. It might not be our fight, but it is Israel's fight. And one day, not in the far future, we will have to grapple with a true sense of morality. We will have to grapple with that in our own country. And I don't want people to think, like, for example, this is not our fight. No one's asking, well, Biden might ask for stuff, and we need to I want to talk about that next. But um, 
It's funny, I was going to get into the policy first, then, then the morality, but we'll touch a little bit on both concurrently. If Mexico, the cartels went more kinetic one day, and even now they've killed so many people, and they were to start lobbing rockets. First, you start with fives and tens a day, then 30, 50 a day, then hundreds a day, indiscriminately. And, you know, there's a lot of places in Mexico, they do have frontiers, but there are a lot of very densely populated cities as well. And they hide their rockets exclusively in those areas. And it's interesting because the cartels are actually very similar to Hamas in their death worship, in their gruesomeness, very, very similar. And let's say they were to start doing that. Would, would, would you start you know, worrying about Mexican civilians? No. You would do everything you can to destroy whatever assets they have that would potentially harm us. So even if ultimately they killed 300 Americans and we would wind up you know, killing tens of thousands of Mexicans, that, that, that is the just law of war. That's not our problem. It doesn't mean it's not sad. It doesn't mean that to the best of our ability... We shouldn't indiscriminately target civilians, but if that's what they do and that's what it takes, every conservative used to understand that. I don't understand why now all of a sudden people get all wee-weed up. You don't want to support Israel, that's fine. You don't have to. No one's asking for that. But I would want us not to develop that mentality because we might need that in our own backyard. And, and, and folks... Just for the record, I've seen a little bit of this morality, mainly from the left, but also the pseudo-right when they adopted criminal justice reform. You see, in this world, we cannot do perfect good. We can only do justice. God could do perfect good. It says in Deuteronomy, the rock, meaning God is referred to analogously as a rock. His ways are pure, his ways are perfect. All of his ways are just. Now, what that means is God has it worked out. If he wants to punish someone, it means they fully deserve it. Their family deserved it in some way. We, we don't have the ability to do that. Nothing in, in life is a 100-0 proposition. It might be a 90-10. Okay? Do the evil guys not have any point? Do they not have any legitimacy? In a given theater, or if even if they don't, but you need to respond, well, will there be any harm to what you're doing? Yeah. But let's say something is a 90-10 or an 80-20 proposition. Do you come in haphazardly? No, because then that harms everyone. You just got you got to come in as if it's 100-0. That's the best we can do. This is basic morality that anyone with biblical values understood, but too many on the right are becoming like European secularists, and they don't seem to understand it. So with crime, it was similar, similar to this in the respect that people would be like, well, Daniel, I mean, you know, you lock them up, and then in prison they learn bad habits. It gets even worse, and prisons are horrible. I, I get that, but what are you supposed to do? And now we see that. You just leave them on the street like a bunch of hyenas. In other words... Innocent, peaceful people that want to live their lives. Your life comes first. You need to do what you need to do to protect yourselves 
See, I, I live outside of Baltimore. I can't start feeling bad for the Bloods and the Crips and the people there. And, you know, I'm going to go down and I feel bad. I'm going to bring some people in to my own home. Or I'm going to get out of my car when the homeless people come and beg because I feel bad and endanger my family because I don't know who they are. No, you, you, you got to protect yourself and your family. A Western established government has an obligation to use its Western resources that it has to protect its people. You can't do this bean counting. Not a single person in your country should die from an external threat. That's why you have a government. So certainly in Israel, it's now over a thousand. It's not the problem. Well, in order to wage war, it's going to have to kill thousands of 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 um, you know Arabs. That's nonsense. I'm, it's just weird. I'm seeing this weird mentality again. It has nothing to do with us. It's not like we need to go over there and help them. Just stay the hell out. Stay the hell out. And that's what I want to get to with where we need to be. It's rather than funding Israel, we need to stop funding their enemies and stop controlling what Israel does and bossing them around and just do what they do. And then we at home need to learn the lessons of what went on there and protect ourselves. And speaking of defund, we're out of money anyway. Our money's worth nothing. Our treasury yields are going way up, accelerating the debt. And there is only one asset that has always been sound and of value, and that is precious metals, particularly gold, which is obviously going up a lot now. Um, text Daniel to 989898 today to Birch Gold so they send you a free info kit on gold, how to transfer your IRA or 401k. You know, so when you get that tax deduction, about 7000 a year per spouse, don't put it into BlackRock. Don't put it into Vanguard. Put it into something of value. They, they have you covered. They'll send you the info kit. Then you'll call up one of their reps and they'll walk you through how to do it. Again, text Daniel to 989898 because at some point you got to have something of value. So, folks, we are out of money. And um, one thing we need to watch out for is this Biden is floating the idea of tying Israel aid to Ukrainian aid. Now, I, I've heard a lot of Republicans already say that's not fair, and that's true. But I would take it a step further. I don't think we should send any aid to Israel, especially additional additional to what we've already sent. Israel, or let me just say Hamas, much like our border crisis, is not a money problem at its core. It's not an asset problem. It's a policy and a morality problem. The problem is for years... We have been giving a lot of money to Israel, but then at the same time, we give a lot of money to the PLO and to Gaza and to the Lebanese Armed Forces, a.k.a. Hezbollah. And obviously, in recent years, with Biden administration funding Qatar, well, recently funding Iran, Qatar we've been doing for a long time. And then we're like, oh, Israel, here's some money. Oh, and by the way, Take down that checkpoint. By the way, stop building here. By the way, stop defending yourself here. 
I would rather a scenario where we just stay out. So my concern is that Republicans and their desire to be supportive of Israel, which is very understandable, they're going to wind up giving into more aid to uh, Ukraine. And also, they're going to wind up falling into the trap of the Biden administration of making Israel more dependent on a State Department that hates them. To me, the most America-first approach that is also the most pro-Israel at the same time is to for the Republicans to say, we are going to defund all of Israel's enemies. There's no need for more Israeli funding. Stop funding. We give about $225 million in aid to the PLO. Then there's the other money fu- funneled through our UN and other NGO funding that we have, some of these other programs. And then there's the Lebanese armed forces, by the way, that are attacking Israel right now as we speak. They have a two-front war. Hezbollah is much more powerful than um, Hamas. They have uh, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of long-range rockets that can strike every inch of, of Israel. We've been funding this crap forever. Defund the Iran deal. So prohibit all funding for the State Department to ever uh, um, enact it. And reinstate sanctions. Not to draw us into a war. So the, the problem we have now is we're caught between a rock and the hard place on the left and, and, and kind of a reactionary right on the run, one hand where they're like, they're so anti-war as an end to itself that they're you know, joining this bandwagon of Israel's killing too many people. And then the other end where you have Lindsey Graham and the Mike Pence's and the Nikki Haley's that they're like an attack on Israel is an attack on us. And, and, and therefore they're, you know, and, and, and then, um, you know, Lindsey Graham is wants to engage in a kinetic war with Iran. This is a very complicated web that I want to untangle that we're caught, I think most of us are in the middle, that we're caught on both sides, and each side is being reactionary to the other one. Each one hates the anti-war crowd so much, so I'm going to be get involved in everything, and I can't stand the people getting involved in everything, so therefore I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start taking the side of the left. And really, you have to, especially with foreign policy, you have to look at each thing prudently in its own right. And... Part part of the problem is that, for example, and, and, and I think Tucker is leading the charge on this and Vivek Ramaswamy is joining this. I agree with Tucker at a base level when he, it's kind of like we have PTSD. Oh my gosh, here it comes again, This invoking this Israel's 9-11. Oh, we all know what happened there. 20 years of stupidity. We can't let ourselves do this again. 100%. But I want to make something clear. The problem with 9-11 wasn't that there aren't jihadist, genocidal Islamists in the hundreds of millions in the world that want our blood and to kill us. That was true. What wasn't true is that we needed to go overseas to referee Islamic Sunni Shia civil wars everywhere and then freaking bring them to our shores. The the problem of 9-11, as I said many times, was A, Muslim immigration, straight up, and B, we allowed the Muslim Brotherhood to operate unmolested on our shores 
and they were able to to do what they did. And to the extent our government was complicit in it, it was because not because they fought Islam too hard, is because they coddled it too much. Because of the Western suicidal PC. Israel honestly has suffered from that as well, and they're in the position they are because they've given in. I, I have a lot of friends that are like, everything's a conspiracy, everything is the Western oligarchs. Every look, no one hates the vaccines more than I do, but I'm not gonna tell you every last thing going on in the world is you know, somehow related to that, right? You do have multiple different things. And it is true that just because I, I believe Western oligarchs are as evil as Hamas, I really believe that. But it doesn't mean that Islamic Jihad doesn't exist. It does. Now, the problem is the neocons take that to mean, oh, so let's sit and write, you know, just, just send our troops to every you know, Middle Eastern country. No, the solution is you don't freaking let them in. You don't, you don't, you deal with your own problems, you know, here. Now, this is not our 9-11. It's Israel's 9-11. No one's asking to do anything. And also, I think Rand Paul made a legitimate point when he said, look, I would just advise Israel to watch out. You don't want to widen this, like, make the mistakes we made. Is that anyone that we believe is aligned with it or believes with it? Because then you just ensnare yourself. But everyone believes Gaza is direct, Right, the, the problem is we we weren't attacked from Mexico kinetically. It was 19 people that were let in on visas we shouldn't let in. Frankly, we should have held Saudi Arabia more accountable. We we focused on the wrong thing. Iraq had nothing to do with it. Afghanistan was just a bunch of mud hut mud mud hut munchkins that you know there's no, nothing to be done there. That just happened to be the place where they trained it's like you know again pointing to the moon and the idiot focuses on the finger rather than the moon uh you know we we in other words i am a hawk i'm all for killing evil but we killed ourselves we we self-immolated we brought in more muslim immigration empowered the muslim brotherhood here even more and then we uh we went off there doing god knows what that was just counterintuitive so it doesn't mean that the threat is contrived. Now, obviously, the threat is much starker is starker to Israel. Um, you know, there you can't deny the the fact. I mean, it's straight up. They know where it's coming from. You got to root it out. They can't not root it out. Um, do, do we have to do anything? No. And 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 I would argue, part of the problem is. The Lindsey Grahams and the Nikki Haley's and the neocons make it harder for people like us to prosecute a prudent philosophy on, on foreign affairs because they've made it so unpalatable that everyone's like, I don't even care about it. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And I totally understand it because I, I feel the same way. But because ironically... And I, those of you who remember my show from kind of Obama's second term when I talked a lot about Syria and the multi-front Islamic civil wars where there was no good play to be made, ironically, the neocons have actually empowered radical Islam. They've strategically weakened us. They've flushed our time, talent, treasure, and resolve on theaters we shouldn't be involved in. So therefore, now we're exhausted to deal with a real enemy. Let me give you an example. 
there are some people on the right that are parroting left-wing talking points that it's the Jews and the Israelis that got us involved. It was a war for Israel. Remember that? And a lot of people don't realize that Netanyahu actually called up Bush and said it's a stupid thing to get involved in Iraq. A lot of people assumed Israel wanted that because years ago in the first Gulf War, uh, you know, Saddam fired off 39 Scud missiles in Israel. But it really wasn't a big deal, and it never happened beyond that, and they never viewed Saddam as a strategic threat. Iran was always the bigger threat, and Saddam was the bigger count biggest counterbalance to Iran. He was the Sunni counterbalance. We took him out, empowered the Shiites, made... made um. Baghdad is a client of Iran. They're, by the way, funding Hamas and Hezbollah. By the way, just so you know, what we bled for, what our men bled for, what the neocons pushed, that actually empowered Iran that harms us and Israel. The neocons that in their own way claim to be pro-Israel and think they're pro-Israel, they've actually harmed Israel's security in many ways. So then you had that. Every, Syria was a cascading effect. The entire insurgency, and they're left holding the bag. Then we empowered Qatar. Qatar is very wealthy. That's where all the see these guys are are a bunch of nothing. They need money. Money originally came from Saudi Arabia when they were funding 9/11. Now Qatar is kind of the new Saudi Arabia, and Qatar is allied. In some, it's kind of a funny relationship, but with Iran. And they both fund Hamas and Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, whatever other crap you got over there, whatever other cockroaches you got there. We fund Qatar. We give them everything. Why? Well, Daniel, we can't be enemies with Qatar. We have CENTCOM based there. Well, why the hell do we have CENTCOM based? Well, we need to do all these operations. Well, why are we doing these operations? They harm our security. So they've harmed Israel. And by the way, it's harmed Israel in another way. Because, several ways, by the way. Because right now we have a thousand troops in Syria. For God knows why. Reasons only Allah knows. We have a thousand troops sitting there. Israel is going to inevitably have to strike Syria. Because Hezbollah is, is it, again, Lebanon's a, a, a nothing. They're, they're based out of Damascus and other places in Syria. So to attack Hezbollah and the IRGC assets, they're going to have to attack. It, it hamstrings them because American soldiers are collateral damage. And by the way, what Hamas just did to Israel, the lesson is you don't put yourself in proximity of of of. A hornet's nest. You stand in a defensible perimeter outside and blow it up, but you don't put your head in in, in a bee's nest. So we put our head surrounded by 50 million people who hate us in Syria with a thousand troops. They're sitting ducks. We need to get them the hell out of there. It's not good for us. It's not good for Israel. Again, you might hear some people on the right be like, war for Israel, you know, kind of like the left. It's actually not true. What, what we need to do is stop funding Iran, stop funding Hezbollah, stop funding Hamas, get CENTCOM the hell out of Qatar, sanction them, be on, be on the outs with them, not, not, not to declare war, but just more passive. Get out of there. 
because right now our presence creates a lot of the problem. Again, to be clear, I'm not giving the leftist argument that our presence creates Islamic radicalism. No, they believe in jihad because they believe in jihad and they always will. But but you don't put your head in the hornet's nest. You go from a position of strength and then Israel won't have all these problems. We've actually made their life more difficult with our engagement in the Middle East. So that's with that. That's what we need to do. We don't need to fund Israel. We don't need to back them with troops with more weapons. And again, ironically, the same neocons that are like, oh, we got to defend Israel, we got to defend Israel, Israel, are the ones saying at the same time we need to give a trillion dollars to Ukraine. I'm sure a lot of you have seen the stories, but weapons arsenals that were dedicated for Israel aid have been shipped away to Ukraine. So you can't have it both ways. You can't be pro-Israel, but then say, see, this is the problem. Um... There's some people that they're well-intended, but they're like, they see any evil in the world, and they're like, we got to do something, we got to do something. Well, you put it all together, we have nothing left. I would argue, I would argue, now I'm not arguing this now because we just don't have the ability to do it. But what should have been done, and I've been saying this for years, I think Rush Limbaugh actually said this, but in retrospect, for a fraction of, of the risk, physical capital, lives lost, of pissing around in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Yemen, Somalia, many other places, and now Ukraine. We could have used that to do regime change in Iran and have been more successful. See, whenever you do regime change, a, it has to be worth it. It has to be in your strategic interest. But then also, well, what are you going to replace it with? So at one end of the spectrum, you have Gaza. Gaza, the people are ungovernable. Okay, there's nothing to... There's, it, it, there's no regime change. It's not Hamas. Hamas is the people. And the people are Hamas. There, there's nothing you can do with them. Um, But Iranians are not Arab at all, actually. And... Legitimately, a lot of the videos you see with people opposed to the government, they're real. And you do have a precedent of Western-style governance. They had until 1979. The younger population would easily be supportive of it. That's what should have been done for a fraction of the capital. We, we, we literally invaded the wrong place. We invaded the wrong place. And by the way, there's a lot more evidence of Iranians funding 9-11 than Iraq. Iraq was, was a complete false flag. I'm not saying it, it's what we should have focused on, but I'm just saying that would have... Now, at this point, we're broke. We have the neocons that want to make war in Iran. They are the reason we can't because we're just flushed. And frankly, our military is in similar shape to the Israeli military in that we're just... You know, we're just rotted out. I don't, I don't even know if we could win a war anywhere. Certainly not China, but maybe even with Iran. So that's not an option at this point. But part of why it's not an option is because of the neocons. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that everything in the world going on is all the Western oligarchs, whatever you want to call them, Klaus Schwab or whatever, and that... Islamic Jihad is a complete 
invention of the CIA or the Mossad, right? I mean, anyone who understands the Bible, they are real. And, and, and that's what I want to get to with the morality of this. So, so we talk about strategically what we should and shouldn't do, the non-neocon pro-America but also pro-Israel approach that wouldn't cost us anything, do the right thing. But just the morality. A lot of people are pointing out, I understand what went on, but, but look, you just can't do this to Gaza. There is a dirty little secret about what should have been done a long time ago. The U.S. government and the Europeans, for years, spent all their diplomatic capital and trillions of dollars funding a Palestinian insurgents. I don't. Again, there's no such thing as a Palestinian, but Arab insurgents against Jews. That's what they did. For a fraction of the money, what should have happened was they should have been offered voluntary transfer to other Arab countries. And everyone knows that's the solution. Arab territory is 540 times the size of Israel. Okay? They one land that they were supposed to get originally in defensive wars, it's fair and square, it's theirs. Now, to be clear, even the most right-wing militant Jews that like like myself, that people would call me on on paper, None of us have a parallel view of the Arabs or the left that they need to be liquidated. In fact, ideally, none of us would have a problem with Arabs living in Israel. And indeed, a million of them do, even in, in the pre-67 lines. Um, you know, there's plenty of Christians that live there. There's other people live there. There's, there's foreign workers. There's, there's other people. The problem is that it's just not practical because they'll kill kill out the Jews, as you see. You let them loose for one minute, that's what they're gonna do. So that's not that's not Israel's problem. We need to understand the just laws of warfare. When you have a genocidal enemy, your job is to protect your people. Not one person should die among your people. If you have the, the military might to, to deal with it, just to, to, to worry about their civilians. That is on them. Again, this is a generic principle. I don't care if you don't care about Israel. I don't need you to care about it. Because we will have to adopt that at some point. And we did. That's what Dresden was about. That's what Hiroshima and Nagasaki were about. If I want to focus your brain on the travesty of Hiroshima, I can make you cry like anything. Of course it's terrible. But there's no other choice. Israel faces the ultimate no other choice. It's right on it's right among them, okay? I mean, I, I people don't realize Israel only has one main air, airport. That airport is all within rocket range, okay? 100% of their rockets and assets are stored in civilian areas. So, right now, if there was a shred of morality in the world, we have spent, the, the, the Palestinians are the most per capita subsidized people in the history of human civilization. That is a fact, per capita. Now, you might be saying, well, what do you mean? How are they so impoverished and have, have so many problems? Yeah, because it all obviously, you know, for example, they had um, problems with sewers there. 
So they got a bunch of pipe shipments, and guess what the pipes went towards? Bombs. And that's why they still have the problem. The concrete didn't go for construction. It went for weapons and, and infrastructure for that. So that that is the problem there. And contrary, everything you see in the media, the opposite is true. So you think Israelis are the most indiscriminate people. And the fact is the opposite is true. Even what you see yesterday, which is like the most they've ever done, it's all they show the same pictures. It's mainly a building here, building there. To the extent you'll find a couple places where there's like a contiguous area flattened, it's literally that was like the palaces of the Hamas people. Elsewhere, it's more surgical. Now, yeah, well, civilians get killed. There's no way they, they don't, but they're not targeting them. Um, and also, just let's just keep in mind, they all believe in that. These are the most bloodthirsty, genocidal people in the history of the world. Okay? That is the reality. So, I find the morality, I don't care if you don't, like, I want to focus on America, I'm going to focus more on our, our stuff. You know, obviously, from my religious beliefs, I care deeply about what's going on there. But from a, a, a U.S. policy standpoint, there's nothing for us to do other than not fund the bad guys, not support the bad guys, and not handcuff Israel. But I just don't like that on the right, there are some people that are adopting this immoral view of the left because we need to hold that. I oppose getting involved. I think Iraq and Afghanistan were a mistake and Ukraine's a mistake. Not because I am, I'm anti-war. It's just that there's no play to be made that's in our interest. But if you have a genocidal enemy that's attacking you and will not stop at anything, you have to do Dresden. You have to do Hiroshima. Our grandparents understood this in World War II. We, we, we can't lose sight of that. And the problem is that because of drone technology and other technology... It's allowed a lot of these people, a lot of these um, guerrilla forces to really inflict a lot of damage if you don't go all out against them. So in other words, 20 years ago, we were able to finesse this more asymmetrical guerrilla warfare with, with modern militaries and be more surgical. Now they'll send a bunch of suicide drones and they could take out a whole tank column with it. So if you don't strike swiftly, you're going to have a problem. All these people that are like, what the F do you want Israel to do? We didn't even get to the Northern Front. They're sandwiched in. What do you want them to do? Part of this is Israel's own fault because Israeli leaders themselves have internalized this pseudo-sympathy. They genuinely didn't want to kill civilians. So what happened was, if you have a Western country that you have a country starting to throw rockets and after the first time you liquidate it, they allowed it to go on. And so what they did is they gradually moved the Overton window and they raised the number of rockets. So then they'd go in a little bit to Gaza, do some strikes. But the point is it became a new normal because they didn't know what to do because to if you would destroy every rocket launcher, you would have to level half of Gaza. That, that, that's the reality. So there's one of two things that's going to happen. Either they need total victory over Gaza, which is what Rush Limbaugh said for years needed to happen. Or if people are so concerned about the Gaza people, 
if they're really that concerned for a fraction of the money we spend on throwing money at them, which is inevitably just going to throw it at Hamas, you would pay for voluntary relocation to a country like Egypt. Okay? They could easily absorb them, especially a few countries. And then therefore, I wouldn't force it, so you have a choice. You could leave and seek a better life, or if you want to live there, then clearly you're a jihadist, and then you own it. That is what should happen. That is the only practical solution. But there are two reasons why it's not done and has never been done. There are two reasons. Number one, the Arab world and just as much the Europeans and then the American State Department, they want the Palestinians to be as kind of like a BLM Antifa insurgency in the side of Israel because, frankly, they want another Auschwitz. Let's just call a spade a spade. That's what they, they want that. And number two, there's a dirty little secret. <clears throat> the Arab countries don't want them, and they never did and they never will because these are the most violent people in the world. I know some people are like, you know, we don't like dehumanization and we have to be pro-human and we have this whole agenda with medical freedom. And a lot of my allies, I, I, I'm seeing things, how dare you dehumanize the, the people of Gaza? I'm sorry, I will. They have subhuman mentality. They, they are the most violent civilization in the history of the world. Now, you could argue it's not their fault that it's two generations passed on through the mother's milk of, I mean... There's no, I mean, it's like what the Nazis did for a few years, but they've been doing that for much longer. You wake up, you know, when they teach math at five, okay, you know, you blow up five Jews here and six Jews there. How many Jews are left? That's literally in their curriculum. You, there, there's no other way around it. I mean, you can't even blame the kids. It, it is this, this maniacal mentality, and, and I'm, I'm just bothered by some on the right acting like the left, that they don't understand there is true evil in the world. Yes, that includes our own government. I'll call it evil. But it includes, there is Islamic jihad that is just so freaking evil. I don't think people appreciate. There's a good percentage, the majority of people in Gaza, they would, rat, if, if, if a genie came down to them and said, I could grant you one wish. You could either have a better life for your, yourself and your kids, or you could kill every Jew in Israel. They, they would pick the latter. Because the West, including increasingly people on the fake right, are so damn secular, they can't appreciate people in a civilization that actually believe, they don't believe in their own selves. The Islamists do. Like, I, I see as someone who, who used to work at The Blaze putting out something like, you know, look, just because I, I hate my government here, meaning the American government, but are you going to blame me for it? Let's say, you know, they did something wrong. Am I to blame? I, I can't you know, change what they're doing. It's not my fault. So you can't blame. What do you want the people in Gaza? They can't change Hamas. He's missing one point. When you are a civilization under attack... The just laws of war dictate you have the right to do 
whatever it takes, not more, but what it takes to protect your people. You're right. If they're civilization, if they, if they have civilians that have to bite the bullet, that is part and parcel of the attack of that country's government or leadership. So yes, if our government would go and decide one day to attack Canada for no reason, and Canada would respond, and our civilians would die, it, that that it, it doesn't mean it's the civilians' fault, but it's certainly not Canada's fault. And who has to eat it? There's one or two things. Either Israel gets destroyed, or they're, Gaza's going to have to take a lot of casualties. One, who, who eats it? And at the end of the day, Gaza doesn't have a just government. There's no nothing for them to do. I mean, this is just so simple. It's not about Israel. It's about, I'm seeing this moral relativism creep in with crime policy, with immigration. It's no different than immigration policy. Don't you care about all those poor people coming over? Like, no, there are some people generally poor, but you have an obligation to protect your people. Now, you want to say, well, okay, that's Israel. That's not us. I, I respect that. That, that. That's fine. But I'm, I'm talking about people that are cheering on the media calling Israel genocidal. That's bullcrap. Frankly, they tolerated a lot more than anyone else would have, which is why they, they've created this expectation that this is how you have to fight wars, kind of suffer casualties because, you know, just, just for the sake of it. You know... And it's not just civilians. I mean, Israeli soldiers are, are, are dying left and right. I'm saying they, they don't just come in and just use modern weapons to just flatten everything within 10 miles of the border. They don't do that. They go up to there and they, they suffer all these attacks. It, it's weird. Some of these people on the right are like, yeah, we're going to bring back Western civilization and whatever. They don't understand the mentality they're espousing, they're trying to foist upon Israel is the suicidal mentality that has destroyed the West and Israel too. That we don't believe in ourselves. That is life. It's like, is, is Hiroshima or Dresden even a close call in your mind? No, it's not. But does it mean it's not said what happened? Of course it is. But what are you going to do about it? Let's not act like the left. Let's not just because we hate the neocons and what the GOP has stupidly stand and still does, we're just going to be like a bunch of like code pink losers. People need to understand that a lot of people project their own aspirations on a civilization that doesn't exist. Ironically, some of these people on the maybe alt-right side of things are adopting neoconservatism and their mentality. Neocons believed, oh, we just need to go and spread democracy to the Arabs, right? And that was stupid. <clears throat> so they're also being like, you, you know, it's not the Gazans' fault. You're killing civilians. They, no, actually, believe it or not, it might come as a shock to you, but these people believe so much in their religion they care more about killing Jews than they care about their own future. Like, believe it or not, that it <laughs> take away the neocons, take away the isolationists, take away the Western oligarchs, take away the Klaus Schwab, take away um, 
take away uh, Ukraine. Believe it or not, there is true evil in the world, and it manifests in many different ways. It's the vaccine people. It's the biomedical security state. It's China. It's North Korea. And yes, it's jihad. Jihad does exist. Does it mean we should respond like indiscriminately and just invade everywhere or create a surveillance state? No, we need to dismantle all of that. It's a border thing. It's an immigration thing. And I'll make one more point. I think the time has come. I don't know how we're going to build enough support. It's time to come to overturn the machine gun ban, automatic weapons ban. Yes, we need weapons of war. You cannot allow a government to let out criminals in, ma in mass, keep an open border, let in a bunch of hyenas parading throughout our streets, chanting death to the Jews and intifada, and then limit us to weapons that are a asymmetric to the weapons that bad guys have. I mean, these gangs in Americans' inner, inner cities, they all have automatic weapons. We should have automatic weapons. <laughs> They're like, how dare you have weapons of war? And, you know, they call semi-autos weapons of war. Like, I actually agree. Nowadays, the founders would say, to get parity, we should have weapons of war. That's, that's really the lesson. You know, I, I was um, watching this story. There's this... Uh, a kibbutz, uh, this village like a mile or two outside of Gaza where I think they say about 80 Hamas dudes just all of a sudden, you know, it was a middle of the day. Um, it was a um, holiday. I mean, I don't know if they were selling. It's kind of a secular area, so I don't know if they were off of work or maybe they were. Um, well, no, it was a Saturday, so I guess either way. it was. Yeah, yeah, so it was a Saturday. And so, you know, kind of at home, Saturday, kids playing, 80 Hamas people burst into a, a village. No bigger than a community. Population of about 950. They wiped out 11% of the population is dead. Over 100 people were killed. You have all of a sudden 80 of these hyenas. And remember, these people don't, you know, a, a big deterrent you have is that in war, you don't want to get killed. These people are obviously, you know, they don't mind getting killed. So they're as ferocious as you can get. You need automatic weapons, in my view. Um, and that's something we all need to start thinking about, how, how we move the Overton window on the Second Amendment. Um, that's, we, we, we need weapons of war. And I think the, the point is, if our government is going to violate the social compact and bring in dangerous people, let out people from prison, open our borders, you better believe we need weapons of war because that's what they have, that's what they're going to do. So again, learn the lessons. You don't need to cry over Israel, you don't need to donate money, you don't need to donate troops. Learn the lessons. Don't deny that there's evil because we are facing that same evil in some way. It's not as stark, it's more subtle. But there will come a day where we will have to fight for our prerogatives. I, I don't mean go to war on behalf of... I, what I mean is, it might be at a community level where this is coming. And you have to have the just laws of warfare on your side. 
You have to believe in yourself, believe in the veracity of your existence, of your religion, of your goodness, and you cannot hesitate because he who hesitates meditates in a horizontal position. When it's you being dead or they being dead, you have an obligation to save your life. That is something that any biblically grounded person should believe in. Um, and it's just a little bit bizarre. So just because of stupid neocon adventures, we don't all of a sudden deny evil, support evil, defend it, cry about the so-called civilians of their people. That's just not the point. Israel needs to get the job done, stop handcuffing them, stop funding their enemies, and then we need to buttress our own security. Tomorrow we'll get back to focusing some more on domestic issues, hopefully. Let me know. Agree, disagree. This is the needle we need to thread. This is the vision. doesn't fit on a bumper sticker what a foreign policy is. It's not even foreign policy because we don't need to do anything with this. So, um, again, we're caught between the neocons and the kind of just reflexive anti-war crowd. And, and again, I'm not even saying a happy middle in terms of policy. I'm not saying anything different than Tucker in terms of what we should and shouldn't be doing. It just stops siding with the Palestinians. Like, what the hell is that? We're, we're going to have to make similar decisions at some point. So let's be ready for that. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all. And thank you for listening.